Would you turn your Bible, please, to Isaiah, the 40th chapter? Isaiah chapter 40. Let me remind you that these mission maps around the auditorium today are reminders that during the month of December we receive a special world mission offering to undergird the ministry of our missionaries who serve around the world in 120 countries. In addition to some direct missions that we help to support, we, uh, along with many, many other Christians and Baptists, help to support over 4,000 missionaries in lands beyond the sea. And as we give $10, each one, each $10 will light a light. Now we just begin this offering today, $16 has been given, and so you see one light at the home base right over here in North America. The lights will be lighted across the world. Every time you give $10, there'll be another light turned on. Let me encourage you to give and give and give until we have all those lights symbolizing sending the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. May we pray together. Our Father, we thank you for the word of God in all of its simplicity, in all of its preservation, in its infallibility, in its inerrancy, and its application as the Holy Spirit takes it and applies it to our hearts. Open our hearts to thy word today. And may we know that we have heard a word from God. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. amen. I'm reading from Isaiah 40, beginning with verse 1 through 8, and then verses 28 through 31. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned. For she hath received at the Lord's hand double for all her sin. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. For every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord hath spoken this. And the voice said, Cry. He said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all the goodliness thereof is as the flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. The grass withereth, and the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Would you look especially in verse 5? And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. 
When God says a thing, it will come to pass. Whether we see it, whether we understand it, whether we believe it, God said it, and that settles it. For the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. I want you to get a picture of the day in which Isaiah preached. Israel had gone into captivity under the hand of the Assyrians in 722 BC. The reason for their captivity was sin. Sin always brings a terrible mark in our lives. And if it is not repented of, sin ultimately leads down to a wasted years, wasted life, and a wasted eternity. Israel did not heed the message of the prophets. They would not listen. They turned a deaf ear. And so finally, the Assyrians came in and sacked Bethel and Samaria and took those 10 northern tribes into captivity. You would think that southern Judah would learn something from the tragedy of their northern neighbor. They didn't learn a thing. They went on in their sin, just as America does today. We have looked around and seen the judgment of God upon nations, and we don't seem to learn a thing. And on and on we go in our debauchery, in our ignoring the things that are sacred to God, on and on in sin. <clears throat> so did Judah. And Isaiah waved a red flag in their face over and over again, warning judgment is coming and judgment is coming. And then as if he were translated in his thinking, much like John was in the book of Revelation, he is translated into a period that is yet future to him, and he sees Judah in captivity. He sees them hang their harps on willow trees and weep. And when they're commanded to sing a song of Zion, they say, how can we sing a song of Zion in a foreign land? And they're defeated and discouraged. And God says, Isaiah, you go preach. Go preach, thus saith the Lord. The mouth of the Lord has spoken it. And it is as if Isaiah were saying, what shall I preach, Lord? And God said, Isaiah, I want you to preach these voices that will come to folks. And if they will heed the voice, God will meet their needs. Number one, the voice of comfort. Notice in verse one, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem. <clears throat> The word comfort is from a word that means our weakness bound around with his strength. The word picture is like a single wire with a cable wrapped around and around that wire so that no outside interference can get in. Much like the, the wire of a speaker or a microphone, a single wire that carries the voice or the message and then it's encircled or enshrined with a cable so that that wire, though it has flexibility, it has strength. And God is saying, Isaiah, you go preach the message of comfort for my people need comfort. They're defeated, they're discouraged. They don't know what to do, they don't know which way to turn. You preach about the holiness of God, preach about the righteousness of God. Behold, your God will come. Your God will come with vengeance. 
Rejoice, O daughters of Zion, for the Lord God will come. Actually, these passages were passages from a messianic promise that there's coming a day when the Lord God would tabernacle in human flesh in Jesus Christ. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. Does that not bring comfort to our hearts? Years ago, I had a funeral down in Savannah, Tennessee. A very precious lady had died, lonely, discouraged. She had a family. Family seldom came to see her. But they were there at the funeral. And God impressed me to use this passage of Scripture. That family was so defeated and discouraged, they felt guilty. They had not been attentive like they could have been. But that woman was a Christian. And the family members were Christians. And even though their hearts were pricked, God could give them some comfort for their own guilt. You see, a lot of the problems we have are brought on by ourselves. We like to point accusing fingers at somebody else, but actually, many of the things that bother us are our own problems, of our own making. And we can even curl, either curl up in a knot and die and be defeated and be dis, distraught and discouraged. Or we can take the word of God Amen. in all of its comfort and strength and have our hearts lifted close to the heart of God. God says, Isaiah, that's what I want you to preach. Preach a word of comfort. Comfort ye my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem. Cry unto her. Her warfare is accomplished. Her iniquity is pardoned. She hath received double for all her sins. The voice of one crying in the wilderness. That's the second voice. A voice of preparation. The voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. For every valley shall be exalted. And every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. Now, there has to be some preparation in our lives. Sometimes as believers, as Christians, we resent messages on preparation. We say that's all a rather personal thing. That's the way the people of God felt in the Old Testament. They said, Amos, don't bring all that stuff to me. I don't need to hear it. Jeremiah, don't preach like that. Isaiah, quit preaching like that. And they did not listen and did not prepare their hearts. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, I submit to you on the authority of God's word that even after you're saved, after you become a Christian, Christ lives in your heart. There must be some preparation because God is holy. God is righteous. We live in a buddy-buddy world. World where everybody calls everybody by their first name. Now, when I was a little boy, we were not permitted to do that. My brother and sister here today will remember, my mother probably. We had a dad 
that taught us to say Mrs. and Mr. and yes ma'am and no ma'am and yes ma'am and, and no sir and ma yes ma'am and all that. And then we had a secretary at our church called, her name was Virginia Wells. Everybody at church called her Virginia, all the adults. And so I went home one day and I said, Virginia Wells said such that, and my dad said, who? I said, uh, Virginia Wells, the secretary. How old is she? Well, I said, I don't know how old she is. She older than you? She an adult? Yes, sir. You need to say, Miss Virginia. Don't get on buddy-buddy terms. And I learned a terrific lesson. We live in a world that it's all buddy-buddy. And you say, well, that's all right. That's fine. But when you tear down those distinctions, pretty soon life becomes the petitions are, are taken away and the, 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 uh, the respect is taken away. For, for example, I have a foggy idea and I, I think I got it from the Bible. I think I also got it from my parents. That when you go to present yourself before God, you need to look your best. We're living in a day when people are slovenly coming to church just looking any old way. Now listen, I grew up poor. We wore patched clothes and had, we never went to, we didn't get new shoes, we got our shoes half sold. They don't do, I don't know whether they do that anymore or not. Had them patched and so on. We always went clean and when Sunday came we wore the best we had. Didn't look slovenly. There needs to be some preparation on our part when we go into the house of God. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. You say it's a little literal. I think it is literal. We need to have a preparation in our heart to worship God. I would like to see the time come when we come into the auditorium and the moment the organ begins, there's a quiet, a holy hush as we prepare our hearts. Almost every Sunday when we come in here, the choir has a time of prayer, praying for God to move in the service, preparing our hearts. Every one of us needs to prepare his heart for what God wants to do, because God is victorious. God is, God is always in the active mood, wanting to deal with our hearts and help us and lift us close to the heart of God. And then he goes on to say, Every valley shall be exalted. Are you discouraged? Are you defeated? The valleys will be, will be, God's going to exalt them. Don't get down in a rut and stay there. Every mountain and hill shall be made low. Got any mountains you can't tunnel through? God specializes in things thought impossible. There may be someone to whom we speak today that has a mountain in your life, some kind of a problem, something difficult, some gigantic thing that you're facing, you don't know what to do with it, God says that mountain will be removed. It'll be made low. God will take care of it if you prepare your heart for Him. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Now we who have read the New Testament recognize also immediately that these are the words of John the Baptist. When John came in the wilderness preaching in Judea, he said, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Make your paths straight, for the King is coming. The King is coming. 
In other words, when he comes, be ready. Whether you take that spiritually, emotionally, figuratively, however you take it, there needs to be a preparation in our hearts. God hates sin. And when we sin, we need to prepare our hearts with repentance. Turning away from those things. A godly sorrow that leads us to turn away from them. Prepare you the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And then he gives a voice of warning. The voice said, cry. He said, what shall we cry? flesh is grass and all the goodliness thereof is as the flower of the field the grass withereth and the flower fadeth because the spirit of the Lord dwelleth upon it surely the people is grass you and I are like the grass of the field these beautiful flowers and greenery here at the front much of it placed in honor of someone who has gone to be with the Lord they're beautiful in their foliage and green but you quit watering them. After a while, they'll wilt. All the beautiful green grass we had this summer, it's all dried up and brown now. I'm looking for the snow to come to cover up all that ugliness. I was, I was greatly blessed when I heard there might be some snow coming. I know some of you don't like it, but I like it. If you have trouble driving somewhere, call me. I'd like to come and help you. But this scripture says, all of us were like grass in all of the greenery will soon fade. The most elegant and beautiful flower, the most precious person in this room today, the most elegant, beautiful lady, pretty soon all that would fade away. It won't be there forever. We're not permanent residents here. We're just here for a little while. I don't know how long we have. Some people have 10 years. Some people only a few months. Some people live to be 20, 30, 40, 50. We've been richly blessed. Our mother will be 99 next month. But life at its longest, it's just like a postman pausing at the door, and he goes away. Just a heartbeat less, and then a funeral. Just a breath less, and then a grave digged. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, all flesh is grass. All the goodness there is the flower of the field. This reminds me of two things. Number one. The preciousness of people. What we do for others must be done today. We might not have tomorrow. 
In Psalm 126, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bring his sheaves with him. If we're going to try to influence others toward heaven, if we're going to talk to people about the new birth, if we're going to be encouraging folks to come to Jesus and trust them as Savior, let's do it now. Amen. Let's do it today. I'd like to ask God to help our church see at least 10 people won to Christ and baptized this month of December. This month, now. If you have a loved one who's without the Lord, today when the service is over, go call them. Tell them how much you love them and care for them. And as the Holy Spirit gives you liberty, influence them toward heaven. Amen. The pull of the people, the pull of the people. What we, done, what we do for God must be done for others. I don't really believe we can do much for God if we don't do it for others, for people. Sometimes we as Christians confess that we love God and yet we ignore each other. Somebody has a need, and we have so much, we're so wrapped up in our own needs that we just pass them by. We're like the man that went down the road to Jericho, fell among thieves, and a Levite came along. He was busy in a hurry. Another man came along. He was busy in a hurry. Finally, a Samaritan, a loathed Samaritan, came by and ministered to that fellow's needs. We need to be that Samaritan-type person who ministers to people, helps them, lift them up. Amen. All flesh is grass. All the goodliness thereof is as the flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Amen. So regardless of what we think about heaven or hell or eternity, whether what we think about the realities and verities of spiritual life, the Bible says the Word of God lasts forever. Right. We may laugh at it and scoff at it and say, well, I think you can interpret it another way. I think we ought to take the liberal approach. We ought to take some other approach. But God says, my Word shall last forever, Amen. never pass away. Thus, the Word of the Lord has spoken it. The mouth of the Lord has spoken it. And then the last voice that comes to us from this passage is in the last section, beginning in verse 28. Hast thou not heard, hast thou not known that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. How do you wait on the Lord? Well, there are two ways. Number one, you wait by serving. You go to a restaurant, a waiter or a waitress comes along and you give them your order and they go away and 30 minutes later, 40 minutes later, they may come back with something for you to eat. They've waited on you. You and I need to wait on each other. We need to wait on the Lord. We need to serve Him with all of our heart and mind and soul and strength. The other way to wait on the Lord is to be patient. All of God's accounts are not settled in December. 
All of the prayer requests that we make are not settled the day we make those requests. So we need to wait on the Lord and be patient. But I want to ask you, how can you tune into the reality of that passage? But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. There's a sense in which every person waits on the Lord. The Bible tells us that God puts up kings. Many kings that just laughed at God, but God put them up. God put some of them down. Same way with people. Just because a person seems to have this, well, this world's wealth and goods and so on, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's a Christian. Or just because a person is very poor and humble, that doesn't mean necessarily he's a Christian. The only real way to wait on the Lord is to be sure that that person who is waiting on the Lord knows the Lord. Man. We need to know Him intimately, personally. And the only way we can know Him is through His Son, Jesus Christ. Man. And so this wonderful passage says, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. What is the glory of the Lord? The Bible tells us we've all sinned and come short of the glory of the Lord, the glory of God. The glory of God is Jesus. The very manifestation of God is Jesus. The word glory means manifestation. When Moses went up on the mountain, he was alone with God for some time. When he came back down, his face glowed with the glory of God. He wasn't even aware of it. He had been in the presence of God. He had to wear a veil over his face because the people were afraid to look upon him. The glory of God is the manifestation of his Shekinah glory. And it's all revealed in Jesus Christ. And when we know Jesus and have him in our lives, in our hearts, and we've received him inside of us, then we can truly wait on him. But until then, we can't. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I just want to ask you this question today. Have you believed upon Jesus? Have you come to know God personally through Jesus Christ, his son? If you have, thank him. And then serve him. And then wait on him. Be patient before him. And listen to those voices that come to your heart. The voice of comfort when you're discouraged, when you're down. The voice of preparation reminding us that it does matter how we live. It does matter what we look like. It does matter what we smell like. It does matter what we act like. That in this world, our life is an open book. And there needs to be preparation in our hearts to, to, before the Lord. And then thirdly, Let's listen to that voice of warning. What we do for God must needs be done today. We do not have any assurance of tomorrow. And then serve him with all your heart. But listen, if you've never received him as your savior, you may be a church member, but if you've never really received Christ and he doesn't live in your heart, why not open your heart to him today? Just say, come in Lord Jesus, I need you. May we pray.
Our heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment. Our Father, we thank you for the wonderful word of God and all of its power and authority. Thus saith the Lord, the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Help us to be awe-stricken in our hearts as we think of the mouth of the Lord saying a word to us. May God's hand be upon this whole congregation. We pray that someone would turn to Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, please. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise and to know thus saith the Lord. Number 250 in your hymn book. 250. This is a hymn of commitment. If you're here today and you've never been saved, you've never really yielded your heart to Christ, I want to encourage you to come to him today, just like you are, just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, O Lamb of God, I come. Would you do that? And if you're already God's child, would you take seriously these words from the Word of God? The Lord has spoken this. These voices that speak to us. And may we go serving God and loving Him and committing ourselves to Him. While we sing, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, would you come to Christ?"